0: You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today's guest is Bishop Lawrence McCleskey. He began his ministry here in the Western North Carolina Conference and was elected bishop in 1996 and was assigned to the South Carolina Conference. And after eight years, he came back to Western North Carolina and served until he retired in 2008. He lives in Lake Junaluska and is with us live at the Foundation for Evangelism this morning. So, welcome to the show, Bishop. Thanks, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so we're just going to get into questions because 30 minutes doesn't last very long here on the radio. So, Why don't you just give us a little background where you grew up, you know, a few of the places you served, and uh, introduce us.
1: Okay. Uh, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and when I was a boy, we moved uh, to Tampa, Florida because of my father's job, and I finished high school in Tampa, and then uh, because of the influence of uh, our pastor, I ended up at uh, Duke University for undergraduate and uh, went on the divinity school there and uh in the process married a north carolinian who grew up here at lake junaluska and uh stayed in the western north carolina conference i served uh in the charlotte area uh, s- uh about four appointments actually on uh around charlotte one of them in charlotte i served in greensboro north wilkesboro winston salem so i was kind of up and down that 85 corridor
0: uh, Always wanted uh, to come to the mountains, but I had to retire to get here. There you go. <laughs> now, before you um, became a bishop, you were at Myers Park for how many years? I was in my sixth year at Myers Park when I was
1: elected a bishop.
0: Okay, so um, you were elected nineteen ninety six. Uh, tell us about that experience. What is it like to be elected and then to serve as bishop? Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, some
1: of the uh, pundits would say that the best thing about being a bishop is being elected (laughs) because of some of the kinds of things you get to deal with in the job. But it was an exciting time. It was here at Lake Junaluska. There were seven of us elected that year. I was the fifth of the seven. Uh, And uh, we developed uh, close friendships and relationships, which continue across the years. Uh, Then I went to South Carolina. Uh, Actually, for us, uh, my wife, Margaret, and, and me, uh, that was, uh, 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 only a 90 mile move. We were living in Charlotte, Columbia, where mm-hmm. we were there was only about 90 miles. And so, uh, it was just kind of like some other moves that we'd made actually not as far as a couple of them. Uh, we found South Carolina to be a fascinating place. We loved our years there. I had a very happy eight years in South Carolina.
0: Okay. Um, so you came back here to Lake Junaluska. It's where your wife grew up. And yeah, I know some of her friends from growing up from our our, our churches around here. And it's right. uh, fascinating to come back after all these years to uh, a place uh, where your wife called home. But um, what has it been like since retirement? Um, you've now been here for eight years. Yeah, uh, actually, that's hard to believe.
1: uh When we left South Carolina in 2004, came back to Charlotte for my last four years as bishop, and uh, we had had a home here for a number of years, which uh, we moved into. Uh, Margaret's father had been the superintendent here back in the 50s and 60s, and we have long history uh, at General Luska. It's been interesting, because being in the Western North Carolina Conference for 33 years uh, uh, and then going to South Carolina, that, uh, let me pick back up there just a mm-hmm. minute, then I'll come back. That was, uh, a, 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 in some ways, a very uh, simple a kind of uh, familiar transition. In other ways, it was very different because of the diversity of, of uh, the conference we went to in South Carolina. Uh, it's got the largest number of African American churches and members mm-hmm. of any conference in, uh, in American Methodism. Uh, we loved that diversity. We loved the the experiences of uh, of being in different churches. I spent a lot of time in rural churches. I spent a lot of time in African American congregations. Uh, we had uh, the entire state uh, was uh, was encompassed in the South Carolina Conference, which meant that we had the opportunity to be engaged in a number of uh, important issues that were going on in the state. Then the issue of the Confederate flag on the mm-hmm. state house uh, the lottery, which a lot of states have dealt with. Uh, then we came back to Western North Carolina, uh, back to a conference with not so much diversity, uh, for four years, I knew the conference. And so those were four, uh, fairly familiar years. And then, uh, I think you asked me about ret- coming here in right. retirement. We had had this long history at General Our children worked here in the summers when they were growing up, uh, Uh, Margaret had lived here from the time she was in the sixth grade until we married. And so coming to Junaluska was a very natural and uh, easy kind of thing for us, something we had, as I said, planned to do. Uh, we're here with a lot of friends. Mm. Uh, uh, we go to church over in Waynesville at First United Methodist and on any given Sunday, there are 40 or 50 clergy in that congregation, Right. uh, Many of them, people I was in seminary with, uh, people I served with across the years. And so it's been uh, a settling into a familiar uh, place with uh, with friends of longstanding and uh, with long history. And that's been uh, been a good thing.
0: Okay. Now, uh, one of the things I know about my uh, retired clergy friends up here in uh, Waynesville Lake Junalosco is that some of them are now busier, they say, than they were Uh, when they were active. Uh, Have you found that to be true? Uh, In some ways that really is
1: true. Uh, Somebody gave me some good advice when I was retiring. They said, don't do anything for six months. And I didn't, I just took six months to uh, just uh, rest and and kind of get myself acclimated to a different uh, kind of schedule. Uh, Mm -hmm. The uh, uh, travel is much reduced uh, from uh, what I was doing when I was Mm -hmm. active uh, but other involvements. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, the people here look at us retired folks. Like I used to look at retired folks. Oh, they're retired. They've got plenty of time. Mm. And so let's uh, see what we can involve them in. So I've gotten involved in, in pretty, uh, wide variety of activities. And yet I, I am able to uh, pick and choose in a way that I couldn't when, uh, I was oh, sure. uh, working.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I I know that we're going to talk about it in the second half of the show, but you've gotten involved with a number of things. I, I think uh, what I know you for the best is Africa University. Uh, are there other uh, denomination-wide things that you've uh, involved yourself in since you've been retired?
1: It's interesting. In terms of the denomination as a whole, that's my biggest involvement. My other involvements uh, have, uh, have tended to be uh, really more local. Uh, since I retired. Uh, African University, as you said, we'll talk about, and I look forward to that. But uh, here at Lake Junaluska, uh, uh, I had been on the board in years past, uh, came with the job. I'm not on that board anymore, but I uh, worked uh, with the Peace Conference, uh, co-chairing the planning committee for that one year. I've been involved the last several years with the Lake Junaluska Associates, a fundraising Mm -hmm. group that supports the lake. Uh, I've, uh, been involved, uh, with, uh, the board, uh, of directors, uh, at Givens Estates, uh, which is our United Methodist retirement community over in, uh, Asheville. Uh, I'm in my second term now on that board. Uh, it's funny when I was an ex officio member of that board as the bishop, I never got to the meetings. Now I get to the meetings uh, okay. because it, uh, of the schedule. I, I preach occasionally. And I'm involved in uh, things at First United Methodist Church, where we attend, where Margaret grew up. I'm currently chairing the Permanent Endowment Committee there at the mm. church. Well, that
0: seems pretty busy to me. Is there anything you miss about being an active bishop? That's really a, a, an interesting question, and
1: and I, I, I come at it uh, not so much as something I miss but some things I enjoyed that I don't do anymore. How's that for Mm. a different way of trying to get at it? I don't miss them in the sense of, gee, I wish I could do that again. Uh, But a couple of things, uh, one of which uh, may seem a bit strange. I'll start with the other one. Uh, I loved the worldwide opportunities for uh, travel, for involvement with the church across the world, for Mm relationships with people uh, in the church across the world, I'd still have a little bit of that through the Council of Bishops, but not nearly uh, so much as uh, I had uh, the opportunity to be involved in when I was an active bishop. So it's not that I missed that, but that was something I really found enriching and, Mm -hmm. and enjoyable had the opportunity to travel into a number of parts of the world and see the work of the church there. The second thing, and this is the one that may seem a bit strange. I don't miss this, but every year about January, I find myself aware, Oh, the Bishop and the cabinet are beginning to work on appointments again. Mm. I really enjoyed that part of the job. People, uh, when I say that, look at me like you're a little bit strange. Right. Uh, and, uh, could be <laughs> but i enjoyed that and it was uh, fun to try to uh, match clergy and churches uh, appropriately sometimes we did a really good job every now and then we did a really bad job but we worked hard at it and, uh, and i found it to be a satisfying part of the job
0: yeah i'll bet uh, and it's interesting um in my work with the cabinet here in Western North Carolina, it seems that uh, no month goes by that they're not making some kind of appointments. Uh, It's so much different than when I first entered the ministry.
1: You you know, that, that has really changed over the years, Michael. I, uh, even, even uh, during the 12 years, I was a Bishop uh, early on, you only heard about appointment changes at annual conference. Right. And by the time I retired, we were dealing with appointment changes constantly uh, for all kinds of reasons, uh, uh, the normal ones you would think about—deaths, or, or uh, uh, changes in family circumstances, illnesses—but for 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 other kinds of things as well. And it it became a it became a constant thing. I think hardly a month went by that we didn't list in the Advocate, the conference paper uh, in South Carolina, and there was still one in Western North right. Carolina before I retired. Uh, list in there the uh, appointment changes for that month it yeah. is constant
0: yeah, it is fascinating well we're going to take a break and then we'll come back and talk more about Africa University and some other projects that you've been involved with so uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors hi I'm Liz Bichelle video coordinator for the Western North Carolina Conference While my responsibilities include coordinating videos and recording audio, other members of the systems and communications team work with databases and computers. Other departments at the conference deal with finances, and others help build vital churches and assist new clergy. While each one of us at the conference staff have differing gifts and skills, we all work together for one mission, to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build a church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation in Western North Carolina at the sh- sponsor page on our show's website, which is umconnect.info. And so uh, we're back here with Bishop McCluskey. And uh, as an introduction to this question, I forget what year it was, but um, uh, my wife and I had just moved into our house over in Waynesville, and you had a call out because the Africa University Choir was coming, and we ended up with uh, uh, one of the... Uh, singers, and it was a great experience for us, and I know that, you know, this is something you love doing, and you could tell that all of those Africa University choir members just loved you and uh, loved the work you're doing, so uh, tell us about your work with Africa University. Well,
1: thanks, and thanks to you and your wife for uh, having that student, hosting that student, I do remember that you were among among the hosts, and that was when the group was here at Lake Chimaleska, uh several years ago. I, I began... My involvement with African University from the beginning, really, I was a delegate to the general conference in 1988 when the university was approved at the request of some African bishops. They wanted a pan-African university uh, somewhere in Africa uh, for all of Africa. Uh, I was a delegate to that conference. Uh, then when I was pastor at Myers Park, we did a big capital campaign for the church in which we included some significant outreach, and that church uh, raised the money in that campaign to build the first soccer fields at the campus of Hmm. the university in Old Mutare, Zimbabwe, which is where it was finally located. Then I was bishop in South Carolina, uh, uh, enhanced a Friendship already developed with a man named Jim Sally. Jim <clears throat> is a native of Orangeburg. He's the Associate Vice Chancellor for Institutional Advancement for Africa University, uh, has been in that position for its, uh, for 25 years since the university was started, and we did a major campaign for the university in South Carolina. We raised about $2 million to build a building uh, for the Faculty of Theology and to endow some scholarships when I came to Western North Carolina, we did a campaign to endow some scholarships, raised about a 1100000 one hundred thousand for that. And then when I was retiring, uh, Jim said to me, what are you going to do when you retire? I said, well, I'm not sure. He said, well, how about coming to work for Africa University? And so after that six-month hiatus that I mentioned earlier, I did that. And I have been working uh, for the last uh, almost eight years now. On a, on a part-time volunteer expenses only uh, basis with the development office of the university raising funds for uh, endowed chairs for capital projects and for scholarship endowment uh, for for the university so I continue to be involved with that I don't know uh, I could talk f- uh, for far more time than we've got is it, uh, but let me see if you've got some some more focused question you want me to look at.
0: I was interested in how much time uh, do you spend in travel and uh, kinds of things does the everyday work of a volunteer like you do?
1: Basically what I do, uh, and and this is defined in my agreement with uh, the university and the, the development office, I work with bishops, with annual conferences, and with individual donors to raise funds for these purposes I mentioned. The travel uh, comes and goes. Uh, I'm working, for instance, right now in a particular annual conference, uh, uh, trying to uh, visit local congregations that uh, I believe have the capacity and the interest in uh, significant uh, scholarship endowment. And so I will go and spend several days at a time in that conference visiting churches. Sometimes uh when I work with an annual conference I will I will make several trips into that conference to talk with their leaders and then sometimes to do events to promote a campaign uh I'm doing uh, an event uh in November uh in, in a different conference uh, for that purpose so my agreement is for the equivalent of a day a week okay uh, but that works out sometimes uh, 3 or 4 or 5 days at a time uh, sometimes three or four weeks with just some phone calls, emails, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It, uh, so so it comes and goes. I, I've, I've been involved over the years since retirement with uh, about a half a dozen annual conferences uh, and with congregations in those conferences, uh, and so far have been able to at least make a contribution towards generating a little over seven million dollars
0: for the university, and I'm
1: sort of proud of that.
0: You should be. Um, So what are the hot burner issues for African University at this point in time? The university, as I said, was conceived
1: as a pan-African university. That continues to be an important part of its focus. At any given time, there there are students from 25 to 30 different African countries uh, attending the school. Uh, And so to maintain that pan-African character is is an ongoing emphasis uh, the university has developed a program in peace leadership and governance and faculty from that program have been involved in uh in conversation along the way with uh, government leaders uh, from across the continent uh in uh, mediating uh disputes uh the uh uh, uh Big thing that we 're working on institutionally right now is a major uh, endowment campaign. We just uh, went public with it about a month ago we 're trying to raise fifty million dollars for the endowment. The endowment now stands at sixty three million which has uh, been developed in twenty five years we 're trying to raise fifty million for endowed chairs, endowed scholarships, and some capital projects. Uh, and we've raised about uh, commitments of about $21 million of that. So we're trying to move the university towards sustainability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's debt-free. It has 1,200 students uh, plus. Uh, it's got over 7,200 graduates. 92% of those remain in Africa, and that was one of the original intents of the school to educate persons in Africa for service in Africa. The student body is over 50% female, which is remarkable. That is remarkable. In, uh, in the male dominant
0: culture that is Africa. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. And you think of 90% staying, and you think of uh, the kind of money, you know, $100 million maybe in the United States with a major university won't take you far but there it's a big deal it's a big deal there and and it you know some of the students who
1: come can pay their own way there are resources in Africa we think of Africa as a third world continent some people think of Africa as a third world country but that's a continent for right. many countries however there are resources in Africa we're beginning to see the the development of those resources for the university uh, in Africa but there are also students who cannot come without the financial assistance. Some come from living in the bush, they come with the clothes on their back. It uh, takes about $6,000 a year to send a student to Africa University. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, an endowed scholarship of $130,000 will generate that $6,000 mm-hmm. uh, if churches or individuals can't do an endowed scholarship, we encouraged them to think about uh, supporting a student for a year at $6,000. So uh,
0: the money goes a lot further. That's true. So um, one of the reasons you're on this show and uh, uh, Bishop Ken Carter has been one of the great friends of this show. He's been on a few times and he always is introducing me to a couple of people. And he said, you know, you really need to talk to Bishop McCluskey about uh, something he did over the summer. And so I wanted to talk about Uh, uh, an address you gave to the World uh, Methodist uh, Museum uh, in the summer. Tell us a little bit about that because uh, Bishop Carter was uh, uh, just uh, singing its praises. Well, thanks. He called me after he'd been on your show and told me
1: he'd done that. So (laughs) uh, He and I have been friends for years, uh, both coming out of the Western North Conference. I was asked to give the uh, address this uh, past August at the 60th anniversary of the World Methodist Museum, which is located here at Lake Junaluska at the World Methodist Council offices. That museum was started 60 years ago by Dr. Elmer Clark, who was then the uh, General Secretary of the World Methodist Council, and it encompasses uh, representation of over 80 denominations from around the world that are Wesleyan related. Many of them have Methodist in their name, And uh, so I was asked to give the address at that uh, at that 60th anniversary uh, dinner and had a great time preparing for it.
0: Excellent. So um, tell us a little bit about the address, you know, in particular.
1: Yeah, I, I,
0: you know, I decided
1: uh, I needed to visit the museum and sort of get a feel for it that I hadn't I hadn't been in in a while, uh, even though we live here and drive by it all the time. Uh, my wife actually worked there when she was in high school uh, hmm. growing up. So I went and spent an afternoon there. And as I walked through the museum that afternoon and looked at the various exhibits and and was reminded again that it is not a United Methodist Museum, but a World Methodist Museum, right. I was reminded again that Wesleyan, the Wesleyan movement is a movement of denominations. It is not a denomination. And so that's what we were celebrating. Hmm. I began to reflect on that in the light of some of the things that are going on in United Methodism today, hmm. particularly uh, this uh, this uh, question of f- what will be the future of our denomination with the special commission that's being appointed, uh, a commission on a way forward to deal with sexuality issues, I didn't get into that and to to those issues in the address, but I began to reflect on the issue of unity. Hmm. And I came to the realization in that process that the Wesleyan movement may, at the end of the day, be the thing that is the lasting part of Methodism rather than particular denominations within it. Hmm. I I wrote one day in an early draft of the talk these words, I have been a United Methodist all my life. And I was looking at that a week or so later, and I said, that's not right. right. I've only been a United Methodist since 1968. And then I began to think about that a bit more, and I was ordained into the Methodist Church. I was baptized into the Methodist Church, but the Methodist Church into which I was baptized and ordained only came into existence a year before I was born Okay, in 1939. I was born in 1940. We were, prior to that, the Methodist Episcopal Church, the Methodist Episcopal Church South, the Methodist Protestant Church. And then I looked back and I found exhibits on uh, on, on AME, AME Zion, CME, uh, Methodist Wesleyan denominations around the world. And suddenly it came to me that we are a collection of denominations in a movement tied to John Wesley. Hmm. And I began to reflect then on this commission on a way forward. And uh, the thought came to me, and I expressed this in the talk, I said, you know, I'm not in favor certainly of a split in our denomination, but neither am I in favor of making an idol of institutional unity. Hmm. We've been a variety of things over the years, and who knows what we will be going forward. And so uh, I simply suggested in the talk that Maybe that long view perspective enable us to kind of sit back, relax a little, let this commission do its work, let the general conference do its work, see what God has in store for us, and live into the future in a more relaxed, open, uh, serious, but uh, not uh, strict uh, battle lines formed kind of way. Whether there's any wisdom in that kind of an approach or not, I guess we'll see. But that's sort of what I came to in Mm -hmm. that address.
0: Well, I know for a fact that you influenced Ken Carter because when he was on that show, he was offering some of those same thoughts about A Way Forward, that it it is a movement, that Wesleyan movement that is at the heart of who we are. Mm -hmm. And maybe what we need to do is recapture our movement. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, and I've actually heard other people express
1: that since then, people who knew nothing about what I had done, so that I think it may be an idea that has some validity uh, and can give us
0: some guidance going forward. I think so. Well, uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, and you're the bishop. You get to preach the last sermon. <laughs> oh, me, the last
1: sermon. Well, uh, uh, I, I, maybe just two or three thoughts. Uh and part of this grows out of what I was just talking about. Uh, I think an important st- uh, stance for us as a denomination going forward would be, when we think about what we will be on the fu- in the future, remember and take a close look at what we've been in the past. Another way of saying that is to take a take a long view. Mm-hmm. Take a long view. We tend to take a short view sometimes of of things, and the historical perspective can help us. The second thing I would say is, it would help us as a denomination to try to stay focused on the fullness of the gospel and not get uh, totally focused or largely focused on any single issue. There, there's so many things that challenge us as a church and that uh, we're faced as a church. Uh, that the uh, fullness rather than a single issue uh, is an important part of all of that. And then uh, the, the third thing I think I would say is the Wesleyan movement has a great gift that is unique in my judgment uh, for the church at large. And that's Wesley's understanding of grace, hmm. prevenient grace, uh, justifying grace, sanctifying grace. Uh, and in all three of those, the emphasis, I would say, falls on grace, with mm-hmm. just different ways of talking about grace. I think our denomination tried to capture that a few years ago in its slogan, open hearts, open minds, open doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my last sermon would be long view, uh, fullness, and open hearts, open minds, open doors. Let's be gracious.
0: I agree. Let's be gracious. So thanks for giving us your time today, Bishop McCluskey. And thanks, everyone, for listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. The show will be available shortly as a podcast at the Blog Talk Radio page, on the show's website, and on iTunes. So keep up with the latest at UMConnect.info. And we're going to be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section, of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.